I just want to say how great it is to be here with you. Uh, it really, I was so honored when Pastor Sean asked if I would come and be a part of this day. Uh, some of you I'll meet for the first time today. Some of you I've known for a, a long time. Uh, I'll just show you briefly a picture of our family in case you're, you can see this was from two weeks ago. Uh, that today I bring it up sort of because I want to give a shout out to my wife. This is the day uh, 29 years ago that we officially became parents and Lauren in the middle became uh, our first child born today, June 23rd, 1990. And uh, she married Brad uh, two weeks ago. He's a Coast Guard pilot. They live in Clearwater, Florida. And then from the left, our son Nathan <laughs> and Andrew. Uh, and then Andrew's our youngest. He's 17. He's going to be a senior in high school. And on the right side are Joy and Anna. Uh, and Joy and Anna are, are sort of in college and graduate school these days. And the woman who looks like uh, my daughter is actually my wife there uh, in the middle. But there's another family I want to mention here and just give honor to, and you'll see this next picture here, uh, is a very special family that uh, we really miss. We've said at Grace, we want to be an Acts 13 kind of church, that we don't lose people from our team, we send our brightest and our best. And I want to tell you, and Sean and Allie, uh, you are getting a super gifted couple. And uh, Sean on our staff team uh, has just, he's a guy who's rooted in the word. Uh, he loves the Lord deeply. When we would have theological questions come in and I'd be like, hey, there was always two guys I'd go to and one of them was Sean. I'd say, hey, Sean, would you be willing to just get back with this person here about this? And he, he runs deep, but he has a tender heart and is, is gracious. I'll tell you the real reason why Sean can no longer be part of our staff. And it's just sort of a, something we've recognized that at Grace, if once you turn 40, if you're not bald, we send you away. Uh, and because uh, every like pastor on our team over 40 is bald, and you have way too much hair, like way too much hair to be, uh, to be here at uh, Grace. So, uh, but Sean and Allie make a great team. They've done marriage ministry together. Uh, their three daughters, Karis, Laney, and Capri are just, uh, God is just very special girls here. And uh, we're praying for you as well in this time of transition. And if you're part of the broader family, would you just stand a second? You, you like claim these people. You're willing to say I'm related in some way. Would you stand up? All right. Great. To, oh, okay. Back here as well. Wonderful. Great to have you here. Super. All right, Sean told me I have till one o'clock. Uh, no, I'm just teasing. We have, he told me you have 30 minutes, and so I, I will honor that. Uh, friends, I, I'm, I'm going to address some of my comments today to, to Sean and Allie, but I, I really want, I'm speaking to all of us. And here's the reality, that you and I are in a battle today. You believe that? Amen. That the moment that you put your trust in Jesus, that there became a giant invisible bullseye in your back. And the enemy will do everything he can to steal from you, to kill the joy in your life, to destroy your effectiveness. He'll use every tool in his book to render you ineffective. That's his desire. It's what he wants to do. He, he's going to, to do everything he can to say, I, I, don't, want, I don't want their life to count. I, I don't want them to have any impact in the kingdom. Sometimes it's through this crash and burn kind of like you see it. You go, wow. That was unbelievable. That person fell from up there to down here, and we've all seen that, and it breaks our hearts. But can I tell you what else the enemy uses? He doesn't, that doesn't, strategy doesn't work for some people. And so he'll do something else that's more gradual, and, and it's just sort of subtle, and, and it's this. It is a descent 
into discouragement. And it impacts all of us. You know, you wake up in the morning, get your cup of coffee, you have your Quaker O squares, and you're sitting there and you're reading your Bible, and, 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 and maybe you just go, you know, just in a moment of reflection, he goes, is my life like making a difference? Like, I, you know, yesterday I served, you know, with the kids' ministry or as an usher, or I helped with the camp, and I came home exhausted. Like, am I, am I just spinning my wheels? Or am I making, like, am I, is there some kind of traction? Can I tell you that his pastors as well? Man, if there's a tool the enemy wants to use against me, it's, it's, he'll often just sort of shoot the arrows of discouragement into my life. And, and none of us are an exception, that, that he'll use whatever weapon he can, and he's going to use this against Pastor Sean and Allie as well, that, that um, even when things on the outside, it seems like, wow, there's great things going on, God is working at Hope Church, there's people coming to Jesus, we're seeing things happen that we've prayed for, there can sometimes be a few situations and the enemy goes, oh, wow, but you are such a failure right there. Or he'll tell you, he'll go, you know what, that was such, I, I, this morning I was at the first service and now uh, at Grace and, and I said, everybody would just stand for this next song and I, I forgot we weren't going to sing, we're just going to have this long scripture reading so we're all standing there and the enemy's just going, that was so dumb, like you just should have looked at your service order and, and he'll just sort of send arrows of discouragement our way. What do we hold on to? What do we hold on to in, in moments like that? We come back to the lie-crushing, light-giving, ever-faithful Word of God, right? I want to give a word today for Sean and Allie, but really for all of us, one verse that Jesus just sort of drilled into my heart this past year. Is that okay? Sort of a verse this past year that, that God has said, Jonathan, I want to write this onto your heart. It's a verse in the book of Galatians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to people who lived in the city or the region of Galatia. And if you want to turn there with me, uh, I'd I love for you just to, to sort of grab a hold of this one verse and that this would be a verse that's etched onto your hearts as well. And it can become also, as well as the great message you heard in the first service, uh, I got sort of a summary from Numbers that, uh, that as well that this one would be from the New Testament saying, okay, Lord, what do you want to drill into Sean and Allie's hearts? And here's, I'm going to say the truth and then we're going to read it, okay? And it's this, that your work that you do for Jesus, whatever it is he calls you to do, when he gets you up in the morning, you say, this is the assignment he's given me, that your service to Jesus matters way more than you think. Has impact beyond what you could ever count in his eyes, and someday we're going to see that. Uh, and we're going to look at this in two ways. We're going to see as Scripture promises it, and history confirms it. So here's what it says in Galatians chapter 6. Uh, I'm just going to read verse 9. We'll go back to a couple of the other verses. But Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, here's what we read. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. I want you to say this with me. Let's just do it again. Would you say this aloud with me? Ready? Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So there's a, a, a present component there. He's saying today, let's not become weary. Whatever assignment that Jesus has given you, 
Whether you're investing in kids in your home or tomorrow you go to the office, you know, whatever you do, even in your workplace, it's not your, what you do for Jesus is not just in the four walls of this church, right? That it says in Colossians 3, whatever you do, your job, your assignment in life, do it as unto the Lord, right? Not for people because it's ultimately it's the Lord that you're serving. Like everything you do, you do for him. So let us not become weary in doing good. That's the present component. What's the future? We're going to reap a harvest. We're going to reap a harvest. And there's one little contingency word there. It's the word if. He says, let's not become weary in doing good. You will reap a harvest. Contingency word if what? If you don't give up. It's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. You know the song we just sang? Like prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. You know, come thou found. You know, the author of that song later, like his life crashed, like walked away from God. And uh, when I sing that song, I think, oh, wow, Lord, you know, just because we're on track with you doesn't mean we'll never give up. That the enemy is giving us every reason to say, now what you do doesn't matter. People don't really notice your life. Someone else can do better than you can. You know, you're sort of a fraud. You, you know, you say this, and then, you know, I, I know what you've done in the past. And here's what he says. Keep on doing good. Paul says, I want you to keep on doing good. Do good for the people who live in your home. What would that look like for you? Even today you go, I want to do good for the people that I live with. How about for people in your neighborhood? Maybe there's a widow or a single mom or someone's been through a crisis. And you go, what could I do for my neighbor that would be good? Not be weary in doing good. What, what kind of good has he called you to do on a regular basis that you have a way that you serve and you say, Here, here's the good that, that God has called me to do. You know, we just have this God who's good in every way and he has these dumb truck loads of goodness he wants to pour out into the world. You know who he uses? He, he uses like his body, which is you and me. Like he says, I, I want you to show my goodness wherever you go. He says, I don't want you to become weary in doing good. Don't give up. Don't give up. In the promise, he says, You're, you will reap a harvest. We can say a few things about a harvest. Um, if you're taking notes, uh, there's three things about the harvest that we can, we can say. First of all, you always reap what you plant. That's sort of an obvious thing. You go, Jonathan, that's, that's a pretty simple one here. But law of farming, if you plant corn seed, you're not going to get tomatoes, right? You plant wheat, you're not going to get soybeans, you're, at least, you know, unless there's some kind of like weird thing going on there. But you, you reap what you plant. And so just before this, in, in verse uh, 8, he tells us this. He says, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. He's saying this. He's saying, if you live... You get up in the morning and you, you're ultimately like, oh, I'm just going to do it. It feels good. Sort of do what I want to do. He says, you're going you're to end up with a life of pain and destruction. If you operate under the protocol that you sort of lead your life and you do what you want to do, he says, there's going to be pain at the end of the road. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. He says, but if you sow to the spirit, in other words, you say, Jesus, you wake up and you're like, Jesus, today belongs to you. This is the day you've made. Um, I'm all yours. Got an assignment. Go about that. You want to interrupt my agenda? You see someone that needs my, your goodness expressed through me? Lord, would you give me your eyes? 
Would you give me your ears to hear? Would you give me your heart to love? And he says, if you please him in that way, so you, man, you're, you're going you're gonna to experience the favor of God. You are going to experience life. Put simply, seek to please God with all your heart. You always reap what you sow. Sean and Ali, a specific word for you. The best gift you can give this church family right here is for Jesus to be right at the center of your lives, to be totally surrendered to him, to say beyond uh, or before what I do, that who I am in my relationship with Jesus, the best gift that you can give above all else is to please him, that you seek to please the spirit. Starts with a fundamental question that, uh, or a decision that, in every one of our lives, and it's, it's this, who do I most want to please in my life? You know what I'm tempted to say? I want to please the woman, the second on the left right there, my wife. I, 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 that she's not the one I want to please most. I want to please Jesus most of all. And he's going to get things in order in my life, and it will mean loving my wife and loving the people that he puts around me. But seek to please him. You always reap what you sow. Secondly, you always harvest more than you plant. That's another law of harvesting, right? I think we have a couple of pictures here. Um, if you take a, a bag of a corn, you know, like that, and you think not too big, you know, you sort of carry it in one hand, maybe one in each arm or something, you carry it along. You know what happens when you put that into the ground and it gets fertilized? Something happens where a few months later, you have acres of corn, right? You always harvest more than you plant. Just something amazing about God's economy. You think of, it, think of in the Bible how people did stuff and there was like, it seemed really small and God did so much more that, you know, uh, a widow gives just a couple of pennies and Jesus says, you know what? She's the most generous person in your church right there. I, I was an amazing, because she gave like everything she had. And he takes the little and he does so much more. Think of the boy, right? Brings his lunch. It's like, I don't know what this five loaves, couple of fish can do, but you know, and he offers that. And in and, and God's economy, you always, you always harvest more than what you plant. It's just something that he, that he does. It's, it's one of the gifts that, that, he, that he gives. Friends, God is up to something. Um, he wants you to keep doing good. There's been good things that have happened in 10 years here at Hope Church. Uh, there is so much to celebrate. I, if, I, if I'm free, I'd love to come to your 10th anniversary celebration this fall. Um, there's much more that he wants to do. That he has people in this community and beyond that he's saying, and I love them. I gave my son for them. I, I, I put someone strategically from Hope Church right next to the cubicle for them around a factory line. And he's going to use you to just do simple acts of goodness. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You're, gonna, you're going to reap so much more than you sow. If you think of the little bag of corn seed, you just put a seed here, seed there, seed there, and um, you know, a lot of people just hold on to their seed. But if you're giving out what God has given to you, you're gonna, there's going to be a harvest someday. It's going to be amazing. One more point on the third one here on, on, on the harvest, and it's this. You always harvest after you plant. You go, Jonathan, you're stating the obvious here, but you know what? I'm saying this for a reason here. 
Here's what I've learned after a few times around the block. If we set out with the idea that faith in our great God plus hard work mixed with prayer will lead to unbroken success, we are in for huge disappointment. Ministry always proceeds with tears. Periods of no apparent growth, tensions with teammates, financial challenges, kid pain. Some guy, one of your children, enemy just fires darts at you, you know. And, uh, and we can sometimes wonder like, God, are, are, you, are you doing anything? I sort of planted those seeds and nothing seems to be happening. And this seed sort of lie dormant and we wonder and, and we just have this God who says, will you trust me? Will you trust me? I love how Paul in another section, he says, you know, I, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it. And then he has one more, what does he say? But God gives the increase. He's the one who makes it grow. And in his sovereign time, you see that verse from Isaiah 46, he says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. My purpose will stand and I'll do all that I please. He's saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me, Hope Church family? Will you trust me, Pastor Sean and Allie, that if you, if you sow, if you keep on doing good and don't give up, if you please me and seek to honor me in every year of your life, I am going to bring about a harvest that is way more than what you could ever expect. You know what I think is great here? He doesn't, this is not like a solo job. Uh, when he has this verse right here, he says, let what? Us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we, it's, it's, you're a family here. And uh, Sean and Allie, man, the, the, the worst thing would be for them is if they feel like they're walking alone. But if they feel like we're, we've locked arms with the church family here and we're in this together and how can I serve and what can I do? And it's not like a bus where, you know, Sean and Allie are in the front and you're driving, we're all sitting in the back, just sort of bouncing along, singing our songs, how many bottles of beer in the wall or whatever. But that we're saying, no, no, we're like a, we're like a crew team. We've all got our hand on an oar and we're, we're rowing along and saying, okay, God, we're all in this together. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Scripture promises it. Second, we said, history affirms it. History affirms it. Just a couple examples here. In the early church, remember how many believers, it's about 45 days after Jesus has risen again uh, from the dead, and he's ascended to heaven, and the disciples are in this upper room, the followers. There's more than 12. Remember how many there are, anybody? It's 120, right? 120 motley crew, and they're fearful, and they're like, wow, like Jesus has ascended to heaven, and, and they're wondering, like, where do we go from here? And, and they were, you just looked, and if we would have seen them, we'd go like, oh my goodness, they're supposed to change the world? But they didn't become weary. Some of them did. But as a whole, they didn't become weary in doing good. They, they did what Jesus had commissioned them to do. And, and they began in Jerusalem and, and, and they reached out in Judea and Samaria and then still today to the ends of the earth. And it's just, it was this, and if we look back and say, wow, God, what you did with this unlikely group of ordinary people. You know what happened at Grace Church? We celebrated our 60th anniversary about eight months ago. And um, 
And we just look back, you know, Grace Church started with like 30 people. It was sort of a, it was an unlikely bunch. Can I just say that? They met in a school building. People thought they were a cult. I was like a crazy, it was somewhat dysfunctional. And uh, I, don't, I can think and say it safely because I don't think anybody who was part of the 30 is here in this room. Uh, but they were not the kind of people you're like, they are going to, you know, and someday give birth to a church in Brunswick. They're like, will they survive, right? God loves to work through ordinary people who just say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. And, and I, I'll just keep on doing what you've called me to do. I'll take the next step. And if you don't grow weary in doing good, you, you're going to reap a harvest. Let me tell you a story. It's not just what happens here, but um, it's what God is doing around the world. Uh, we said scripture, um, scripture teaches it. History affirms it. So let me tell you a story about a guy named Roger Antoto. Roger is a, is a guy who came out of what was then Zaire in Central Africa. And today he has a church in New York City, part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. He's in the, what's called the Metro District. Pastor Dennis talked about the Central District. Metro District. He's in New York City and he's reaching out to people in New York City and God is using him in great ways. You know how Roger got to New York City? So years ago, he was in this Christian school in what was then Zaire, today Democratic Republic of Congo, and he had this teacher named Miss Norma. Miss Norma had come from Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, she was a single missionary. She's just, she's teaching her class, her high school, and Roger really loved Miss Norma. And, and he, she just had, she just loved students well, and she'd teach her class to the best of her ability. She'd be, you know, she'd meet with students outside of class to help them along, and, and when they had chapel, and she'd be praying for people, and, and uh, Roger really admired Miss Norma. In fact, they say that even today his handwriting is like Miss Norma, his, his high school teacher. And uh, one day, Roger in chapel, Roger in Toto, he's in chapel at this high school in Zaire, and, uh, and there's a speaker, and, and Roger surrenders his life to Christ. And Miss Norma just keeps on building into his life. And Roger uh, would go on and go to Bible school, and he'd end up moving to New York City and he's having an impact there. But that's not the end of the story. You see, before Miss Norma, Miss Norma was in Omaha. She was not a believer. She was working at a grocery store in Omaha, Nebraska, what's called Safeway. And there is another coworker of her, hers, whose name is Francis, and Fran, a woman, Francis. And Francis, Norman noticed something about Francis that among all of her colleagues in this headquarters for Safeway in Omaha, Nebraska, that uh, Francis was the only one who didn't complain about life and and just always bellyache about you know the boss and management and everything. And and Norman knows she's like something is different about Francis. One of she said, you know, some, I don't know, something different about you. Like, you're just a more positive person. You know, you've, you've, you don't complain all the time. And, and Francis said, you know, well, it's, um, I just can tell you, it's, it's having Jesus in my life has given me such peace. And Norma expressed interest, and Francis invited her to come to church. So Francis invites Norma to come to church, and Norma comes to a church that today is called Christ Community Church. And she hears the pastor speak, and, and she's sort of struck, and she's like, I, I give my heart to Jesus. They had a missions conference. She's like, sign me up. She heads off to a place called Crown College, this Christian college in Minnesota, and she gets trained. And, and Norma ends up becoming a single missionary in Zaire, having an impact on Roger and Toto, who now is serving in New York City. Friends, do you see what happened? People didn't become weary in doing good 
And they had this harvest that was way beyond. How did it happen? Because there's a woman named Frances who worked at a grocery store who said, I'm going to just, I'm going I'm to be all out for Jesus. How, even how I talk to people or things I don't say can make an impact. And she had an impact, Francis did on Norma. Norma comes to know Jesus. Norma ends up going, Norma has an impact on Roger. And Roger today is having an impact in New York City. The harvest is always more than what we could ever imagine, right? That's just the way that God loves to work. Friends, he's still doing it today. That he is accomplishing things way beyond his, what we could ever ask or imagine. You know, the guy who, who told me that story about uh, uh, Norma and Francis and Roger is a guy named Dave Bishop. Uh, Dave is, is a guy who serves as a businessman in, in Christ Community Church in Omaha. And, and Dave says this. He says, let us not, <coughs> reflecting on that verse, let us not become weary in doing good. He writes this. He says, when God calls and we respond, he shapes our sometimes small and simple daily acts of obedience into usable events for his purposes. He takes the things, the little things that we do, things you go, I just took a meal over to a neighbor. I mean, well, it's not that big of a deal. I said I would serve on Tuesday night. I'd help out. I came to Buell on the road. I... And friends, he always does more than we could ever ask or imagine. God honors faithfulness. He did then. He does today, and he always will. Scripture promises it. History affirms it. Do you ever wonder when you wake up in the morning, I'll come back to that question. Do you ever wonder if doing the right thing that Jesus calls you to do, what will the impact of this really be? Let's just be really, really clear. When Paul gives us this promise, when you do whatever good he's called you to do. You help out by holding babies in the nursery or teaching toddlers or invest in elementary kids or youth. If you serve faithfully as an usher or a greeter here at Hope Church, if you love people in a nursing home who are maybe forgotten by others, if you have a secret life of prayer, you go, you know, the Father, Jesus said in Matthew 6, he sees every prayer. If you pray like, if you serve on a, tech team or, you know, guys up in the, people up in the sound with there, thank you very much. Uh, you're on a worship team, wherever it is that you serve, you're out in the community, you're helping in an elementary school locally, you go into the city in some way, you, you live with integrity in your workplace and because of your love for Christ, if you're loving the people that Jesus has called you to love, you're going to reap a harvest. And Sean and Allie, as you continue to serve, and you say, Lord, here we are. We're going to use the gifts you've given us. And sometimes it feels like, boy, it's a couple steps forward and maybe a step back. Don't become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you guys are going to reap a harvest with a whole bunch of people here if you don't give up. Friends, Scripture promises it. History affirms it. And Jesus wants to show it again and again. Will this be a place that he uses as one of the testimonies to keeping that promise? You know what I think back on? I wonder sometimes, what if the believers in the early church, like half of them, you know, just been like, map, we're out of here. We might lose our lives in this endeavor. 
What if at Grace Church 60 years ago, people were just saying, people think we're a cult, like we're done. Let's just go. What if, what if Francis at Safeway just said, you know what, people look at me weird, you know, and I'm just going to sort of be like everybody else here in the workplace. What would have happened to Norma? What happened to Roger? You see, you wonder sometimes from heaven's perspective, if you and I are not faithful, if that if, 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 if we don't give up, if we do give up, what happens to the harvest through our lives? Friends, may we be captured by the mission and bolstered by the promise of Scripture and the testimony of history that whatever your assignment, however public, however private, if you continue on, you are going to share in the harvest one day. And Jesus is going to look at you and say, way to go, <laughs> way to go. Come share in the harvest. I'm going to invite uh, Sean and Allie and their girls to come on up here and uh, the elder team and, and uh, spouses, my wife, Pastor Dennis and Lori, and we love to pray over this couple and um, just ask God for his anointing on them and, and for you to join us in that. And as a sign of that, would you, would you stand uh, with us and I'll pray and then... Uh, George is a representative of the elder team. My wife Mary will pray for the Brennan family. And then Pastor Dennis will close us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this gifted couple, for their family. Lord, you have downloaded so much into their lives, the greatest of which is the deposit of your Holy Spirit. We pray for a fresh anointing for Pastor Sean and Allie, Lord, that you would give them all that they need for the task to what you've called them. And Lord, that we'll look back five, ten years from now, we'll say, oh my, the things that the Lord has done. Lord, we thank you for this family and we, we com commit them again to your grace. Heavenly Father, in eternity past, you had all of Sean's days written in your book before one ever existed. Mm -hmm. Lord, in eternity past, you had all the days of Hope Church recorded in your books, including this one. Father, in eternity past, you have all the days to come in Sean's life, in the life of Hope Church, in the life of each of us here, as you have called us to be on mission with you. And so, Father, we pray for the anointing of your spirit to be upon Sean, that you would guide and direct his steps as he guides and directs us to seek you first and foremost each and every day, to know your will for our lives, to know those around us that you're calling us to love and to serve and to minister to. Father, we pray that his priority would be you you first and foremost to glorify you to allow you to live in and through his life especially with his wife and his family first and then unto us as well and father we pray this now that you would glorify yourself in the midst of sean's life you would glorify yourself in the midst of hope church we ask this in jesus name <clears throat> 
Father, we thank you so much for Sean and for Allie and for Karis and Lainey and Capri. And we pray particularly right now for them as a family. God, that you will put your um, protection around them as the enemy would love nothing more than to disrupt their family. We pray for their home, that it'll be a place of laughter and joy and peace. Father, we pray you'd give them deep love, first of all, each of them for you, and then each of them for the other. Lord, we ask that their family uh, together will experience your blessing in really sweet ways. And Lord, that through their family, you'll bring blessing at the girls' schools, with their friends, and their neighborhood. God, would you make their home um, a gateway to heaven mm -hmm. for many people? Yes, Lord. And for them, Lord, that they will experience your love and your grace and your mercy in just really incredible and sweet ways. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for that little pronoun, us. Let us uh, not give up. Let us do good things and, and trust you for that harvest. And so I pray, Lord, as we lay hands on Sean and Allie and their family, it is symbolic that you are also um, anointing this church and commissioning this church and empowering and anointing them. Lord, I pray that through uh, this new leadership change and the leadership that's been in existence, that your spirit would come on and in this group of people for such a time as this. We live in the day of the fulfilled word that your spirit has come. And I pray that this church would remember everything, Jesus, that you've taught them. Holy Spirit, would you remind them of the things that you've said and would living water well up from within them up to eternal life. Uh, may that happen here. May there be more hope stories. May it go through them and beyond them. Lord, do more and amazing things than we could ever imagine has been shared and promised by your word. So we claim those things ultimately for your glory. And that's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.